Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Second Act Actors. I'm your host, Dr. Janet McMorty. And yeah, you guessed it. I'm still a medical doctor simultaneously trying to pursue a career in acting. My guest this week is Taz Garcia, the Tasmanian devil himself. I'm sounding like he's all sweet and cute, but he's not. He's incredible badass who's also sweet and cute. We recorded this episode quite a long time ago, and we didn't really know each other that well. But now we are working on a pretty major project together because we met through the industry. This is how we elevate Canadian creators, was by meeting each other, networking, realizing we're all really awesome and let's do projects together. I'm rambling. I'll get off my soapbox. Taz Garcia. What an incredible, incredible guy. He's a stunt performer and actor. He was a former professional soccer player. He may have once been the Black Power Ranger, and we go into that pretty sad story about what happened to him after booking what felt like the, you know, spot of a lifetime, the role of a lifetime. We maybe are working on a little something-something together coming up, but he has an amazing story to tell. So much energy. There's the reason why he's called the Tasmanian Devil. So he's an entrepreneur. He's also the founder of Movie Expo. Movie Expo is a conference that happens in Toronto that brings about people in the film and entertainment industry all together. Hello again. I cannot reiterate it enough. Find your people. Find your tribe. Come together as a community. The Movie Expo is a fantastic way to do that. I'll put all the details about the upcoming Movie Expo in the show notes below. Definitely check it out. That's not an ad. I'm not sponsored by them. I just go to the Movie Expo every time it comes around and meet incredible people like Taz. Please enjoy the wonderful, hilarious, energetic Tasmanian devil himself, Taz Garcia. I forgot to check my own microphone input and like, and so I sound like I'm in like a fishbowl underwater. So I actually re-recorded all of my own audio. So you did ADR for yourself. <laughs> I did ADR for myself. Thank you. That makes me seem like more of a professional than an yeah. idiot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to ADR the whole thing. <laughs> I, yeah, just, you know, ADR myself, ADR, you know, no ADR. big deal. <laughs> That does make me sound a lot. Right. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you <laughs> are you are you back in Toronto? Because I know you were you were were you in LA for a bit? No, I haven't gone anywhere for the last uh what what is it? Actually, no, I lie. I I was gone for a wedding uh West Coast. So that was Calgary. Nice. In July. Mm. Yeah, that was that was like a two week thing. But oh, okay. aside from that, I haven't really been Doing a lot of travel. Yeah. yeah. Switching all my other devices that use Wi-Fi. <laughs> I know. Okay. Have, oh, the one the one time I was uh, interviewing, this was, uh, again, another, I had to repeat their interview. We just rescheduled because I forgot to put my phone on airplane mode. And my phone apparently does that old school, like, tick, 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 if it's not in airplane mode. So you could hear that over the mic. That's insane. That's insane. You should. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it might be time for a new phone. Lord. <laughs> what are you using? Apparently, dialogue? <laughs> I am in like very rural central Ontario, like very rural central. So it's like one step up from dial up. Uh, it's so funny. There's no I can imagine you going like, <laughs> get off the phone. <laughs> And it's funny because I'm also like in the one industry, the healthcare industry in the world that still relies on fax machines. So like I'm all about the fax machines. So yeah. I still um, have one. Hey, we can fax each other. Screw that. We text. can fax each other. You know what? You can't really hack fax machines. And that's why healthcare is kept yep. up with faxes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So you know what? We're going to be the superior ones in the future with our fax machines and everyone's going to be clambering for them when, you know, the zombie apocalypse happens. Exactly. Exactly. I don't, I don't remember having anyone get their uh, magic diaries or, or secret diaries, right? Or journals get hacked. But I know your phone could. Yep. Guilty. Right? Your Instagram, hint, hint, yep. right? Yep. All this stuff, right? Learn from my yeah. mistakes, folks. Yes. Yes. Go back to dial up and a lock. 
and a fax machine. <laughs> okay. Taz, Tasmanian Devil, want? tell me your story. My story? Yeah. Which one? <laughs> There's many of them. I know. How'd you get into this just crazy industry? Because you do so much within it. Honestly, it's something I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. It's it's just that spotlight, really bringing smiles to faces, really entertaining people, uh, having the creative genes. I don't know who I owe it to, but I've always been that one kid that could go to a car wash and make it sound like the most epic experience ever, right? Like <laughs> I remember that one little one time car wash and I came back and I was telling my grandma about it and she looks at my mom. She was like, don't you ever take him to a car wash again because he kept talking for hours about how, and they were spinning and then this was happening, this was happening and then the suds and then the bubbles and then the water and then this and it was like a full feature film right there. So it's something that I've always truly loved doing, being an entertainer. Sometimes the class clown, sometimes it got me in trouble for imitating neighbors or, or, you know, it, I, I could see how it could come off as disrespectful, but for me, it was a challenge. I was like, can I really, you know, if, if, if someone had that habit of touching their mustache or playing with it or doing whatever it is, I was like, hmm. or someone was doing a, l- a little bit of this or a little bit of that. I was like, let me see if I, and my dad would catch me doing that. Thinks I'm calling that person. I was like, no, no, if anything, I'm testing my skills. <laughs> So, yeah, but also, also truly, when I was a kid, I, I traveled around a lot. And one of the places I lived in was Qatar. And it was one of the places that was involved in the Gulf War. So it's a really, really tough time for, for a few months, at least, to say the least. We couldn't leave because anything that was airborne was at risk of getting shot down. So we had blackout hours, buildings, everything lights off entirely because the tech back then, if you were up in the air in one of those fighter jets, you can really see anything in 3D. Everything looked flat when it was dark. Uh, but if you had the lights on, obviously you could see the buildings and their height and all that. So whether you were a target or meant to be or accidental, there was a blackout that was just enforced at 7 p.m. every day for a while. And you see it at nighttime. It looked like, like daytime, but you would see stuff flying in the air and you would hear it. And it, the plus side from that is I realized how important entertainment was. And it's something that truly made me respect the people that put in the time, the work, the creativity and face the judgment. And I think that's why it's also really meaningful to me to, to put it out there and entertain people. And hey, when the pandemic hit, it really brought me back to that time where we were staying at home and had it not been for streaming services, it could have been very, very hard, very, very hard just staying at home, staring at walls or seeing the same people over and over again. Right. So yeah, yeah. Good times. And that's it. I, well, I think with entertainment, there tends to be a bit of a judge I know I felt this personally as well, too, that what I'm doing doesn't contribute to society. And because, right. Like, you know, that, that feeling of everything we do is that bit superficial. Like, what are you really doing? And I know I felt that like as my other job being in medicine, like, but I think we need when you're in times like that, as you very well know, that entertainment is literally the only thing that people can can grab onto. And that's how we experience empathy in a time when you can't leave your house and learn empathy it's so critical to society yeah yeah 100 percent. and it's it's crazy because you hit it right on when i was a teacher at school it was super easy if i got together with other friends or if it was a networking event or anything like that hey so what do you do i'm a teacher cool is it homeroom is it math is it english what is it phys ed what is it it was super easy. It was orthodox. People knew how to prolong that. Um, same thing, marketing, sales, anything else I've done. Super easy. Oh, cool. That's nice. Oh, so how did you get started? What company do you work for? Fast forward. I'm an actor. Uh, so like YouTube and now, so like TikTok stuff. Uh, is there anything I can see you in? Have you done anything? Right. And it's really funny because a lot of the people that sometimes join that acting 
train at the very beginning and they fall off and you just keep going every once in a while. It's kind of like, oh, so you're still doing that acting thing? It's it's almost like, are you still taking yoga? Are you still doing martial arts? It's yeah, you still do that hobby or, or are you done with it? Did you grow up? Right. But it's, it's really, really, really cool. And I get it. I get it. Honestly, I do because it's insane what we do. Insane. We face way more rejection than any other thing, whether you're a doctor or an engineer, whatever it is, right? Just on a, on a weekly basis, you could hear seven no's, right? And that's way more than any other interviews that will say, nope, underqualified, overqualified, no comeback, whatever it is. And then you get a job, maybe third, fourth try. For us, it's constant, constant, right? And that's why it's very unorthodox and people don't really know how to do it. But in a way, people always look up to us in a way where it's kind of like, kudos, you've had a dream, you've done something that possibly had we not been judged for or had parents that told us otherwise or family or friends that were around us and we were ready to take that risk maybe we would have pursued something else as a musician, as an athlete, right? As any form of artist. And sometimes they look at you and they, they're like, you're so lucky. And like, no, it's not luck. I had all the other options, but I really put all my focus and my energy in this. And I really said, yeah, let's go for it. Because I can live with knowing that I did it or I tried and I went for it and it didn't work out versus not knowing and living in that regret. Oh man, I wonder what would have happened if, you know, I would have pursued my passion in music or singing or acting or sports or whatever it is, right? So. So how did you get to where you're at now? Take me through, you know, from like, did it all start in Qatar? How did you travel through your other careers, other kind of lives to get to where you are now? Oh man, it's, uh, so while I was in Qatar, I had a, uh, a geography teacher, Mr. Manuel. He scouted three of us and said, listen, guys, I'm going to take you. Uh, obviously, if your parents say yes, I'm going to take you to Manchester United. And we said, cool, awesome. And obviously, parents signed the waivers and everything. And we flew off to Old Trafford, Manchester United. Stepped on that field and oh my God, I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And at the time I actually ran into Cristiano Ronaldo as well. And I have a funny side story about him, but he got booted. He got kicked back to Portugal. We stayed there. Everything was fine. Two of us made the cut. The third one had to be sent home and everything was good. I was playing for the Manchester United junior squad. Our seniors were David Beckham, Schools. Uh, uh, so it was a ton of those guys that we admired on TV. And now all of a sudden they're like, let's go. We're doing 500 free kicks a day or passes or whatever it is. Or we'd watch them do scrimmage games and, and, you know, they call us in the 88th minute. So it's like two minutes left for us to play. So we hated them as our seniors, but it was such a blast. It's something that I could never regret that I've seen. People earn their places. I literally saw David Beckham get famous in front of my eyes. Before that, he was a sub and a reserve. He wasn't even a starter. But I learned from, from somebody like him that he was always ready. He didn't get the opportunity and, the, and then said, hold on, stand by, let me get prepared, then they'll come back to you. He was ready. So when that opportunity knocked, he was like, yep, I'm ready to go. Ready, Right. And that's something that I've taken with me throughout everything I've done in my life, including acting, of course, and directing, right? You're always ready. Yep, I'm ready to go. You're always in shape. You're always sharp with your lines and your focus, and you have different ways and methods to prep for your roles. And back to soccer, uh, my dad decided, nope, you got to go back to school. What happens if you get hurt? So it was a conflict between staying in Manchester and signing a contract with the juniors and we would go to a special facility or a special school, 75% would be focused on football or soccer. And the rest would be all the essential sciences or math and English, right? And we would get booted off the team if our academic grades were poor. So I was like, man, come on, please, dad, please, please. He's like, no, oh, what happens if you get hurt? What are you going to do? Just stay home and do nothing? It's like, no, but obviously at the time we were what, 13. So 
I didn't have much power, much say, and that was it. That was the end of my Ma- Manchester thing. And I got pulled out and then we traveled around. But at the same time, I was also playing tennis. So I had trained with Nick Boletari, who was training Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras at the time. And that was another path that I was taking. And I played there in Roland Garros or Roland Garros in, in, in France. And same thing. So it was kind of a fight between both of these two going all the way up. Um, really, in a way, understanding the same mechanics that I currently use for film, which is you got to be sharp. You've got fans that could love you, fans that could hate you. You're on a on a platform or a stage constantly. So you got to be your best, your fittest, your, your most focused because every single time you step on there, you're getting judged. All that, you suck, you were great, you did great. Did you gain weight? Did you lose weight? You look tired, are you sleeping? Are you eating, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's very similar. So I took a lot of that mindset and brought it with me into the entertainment industry. But that's when fast forward, so I'm fast forwarding a bunch of travel in between. But then in 02, I landed in Toronto and that's when I was like, cool, let's go. Let's resume either soccer or tennis. And that's when I got here in OTA, Ontario Tennis Association. I was talking to them. They're like, we don't even have a center court. There was no Rogers Cup. There was none of the courts you see now. And they're like, yeah, if you want to play, we've got a rank one to six and go, go ahead, just face them and work your way up. And that's it. I was like, so where do you go from there? Like nothing. You just play internal mostly ota kind of thing there's tennis canada so every once in a while someone pops out and then they make it around the world and the seated or rank number one was a heavy smoker so that tells you that it was completely different caliber of so i was like okay well that's tennis cool let's go and uh check out soccer and i did and there was nothing at the time except a team that was called toronto Lynx, and i was like oh cool so Toronto Lynx, nice. Can I play? They put me through a little scout session, a little tryout. I made the cut and I played. So I signed a contract for six months. After the six months, that was it. It was game over. And they were like, uh, yeah, so this team is is ending. <laughs> and I was like, what? But again, there is no home field, nothing at all. But they started talking about coming up with something called TFC. And I was like, cool. And that's when soccer really started taking a turn for having official home fields that they were fighting to share with the Argos at the time. Are we going to make it turf grass? All this kind of stuff. I was like, what? That's insane. So fast forward that. And um, so the Lynx was gone. And then I hurt my ankle really badly. It was literally just dangling by a ligament. <laughs> and um so I made the first trials for TFC. The second one, I didn't even bother going because it was all suicides and sprints and stuff. I was like, there's no point for me to do that. But also they were all seniors and they were all 38s and 39s and 40s. And that's when people retire in Europe. And the caliber is still, it's getting better. It's getting better uh, since a lot of the people that retired like Beckham and Henri and all these people started retiring from the big leagues and went into MLS. And Toronto plays in MLS, TFC, right? So that's when people started really saying, oh, I guess, I guess guys play the sport. So it's not just hockey and, you know, it's not just soccer moms. And that's what I would hear. And I was like, what the heck are you talking about? This is insane, right? So yeah, they took it seriously. Finally, they expanded some of the seating for BMO Field and and, uh, they started recruiting some of the people that would retire from Europe and Asia and bring them here and suddenly they're top scorers. So I'm really happy that that's finally growing and finally, literally, we can have an all-star team because Toronto's super multicultural. So you could have Asian and you could have African and you could have European and of course, anywhere North or South America, all on one team. So that would be the all-star team, right? But they just got to focus and they just got to nurture it. They, they didn't take it seriously for a while, right? So that was, that was kind of it in terms of sports, but it, along that path, I was doing martial arts my whole life. Um, and funny story is that's what a lot of people know me for. Now it's kind of my branding, the, the, the action guy for the longest time, my parents, when I was a kid, they're like, Nope, you're not getting into a martial arts class. And I was like, why please, please. They're like, Nope, because you're going to learn this stuff because they would see me imitate characters from TV, right? Accents and, and everything. They're like, yeah, you're going to, you're going to take those moves and go apply that on your friends at school and get suspended. I was like, 
No, I promise. I promise. So finally, I made a promise with them that I was going to use it for good and for training and self-discipline. And it truly did all the way through. And it's something I haven't stopped till this day, uh, 35 something years later. And um, it's it's really a, a lifestyle for me. And 05, I was in college because of my martial arts training. I had a major audition for the Power Rangers. And I did amazing. And that's when they said, okay, cool. Come in, act. They like my acting. Come in. Can you do some kicks and flips and tricks? I was like, yep. And I did. I got the parts. I was super happy. Everything. We're flying to New Zealand. We're going to we're gonna start shooting uh, three weeks after we land there. But initially, we're landing there to get headshots, photo shoots. And they were going to make some, some of those figures, the toys, based on it. So it was like every kid's dream come true. I gave them my passport because they needed that for my visa. Went in to pick it up three days later. They're like, listen, we're going to have to recast you. I was like, what? No. They're like, yeah, we're going to have to recast you. Contract side, they've got the script, everything. And I was like, why? And they're like, well, because you're not black enough. And I was like, hmm, okay. So for anyone watching this, I could be so dark and I could get so dark as the African in my blood and with my, my hair shaved, everything, there's tons of times that people are like, oh, where are you from? Are you mixed black and something? So I get it. But literally that's what the casting told me. They're like, you're not black enough. And it was that season, that very season where when we watched it, yellow Power Ranger was Asian, red was half native, black Ranger was black. Right. So I was like, okay, well, guess I didn't fit the bill and I was going for black because initially they wanted me as red, but they said I was too young at the time. So black was going to be the, the guy that I was going to be playing, the black power ranger. So that was it. And I was like, no. So imagine that's the first time and that could break a lot of people. So I was like, oh my God, holy. But at the end of the day, that's where it changed my entire acting path. And they took me to the side and they said, listen, we know this is, it sucks. It really does. There's no other way of saying that because we really like you and we really want you to be there. But here's our two cents. We don't know if we're ever going to see you again, but what we've seen you do today physically is something that in Canada, we haven't come across that often. So use your physical skills, your physicality, use your kicks, your punches, whatever it is that you do. Um, and we know you come from an acting and comedy background or a drama and comedy background, but focus on your physicality first until you can't do it that much anymore. And then the drama is always going to be there for you. The dramatic roles are always going to be there for you. And probably you as a guy with a baby face, it's, it's only going to get, it's, it's only going to get better for you as you age and you get the wrinkles and it's going to add character. And that's it. And that's when the light bulb went off and I, I was like, I guess so. Let's get into action. Before that, action wasn't even... I liked action movies and comedy and rom-coms, but that's when I really went focus on action. And I spoke to my agents at the time. They're like, yeah, well, you know, uh, we'll see because there's not a lot of action gigs that happen here. It's like, uh, okay. And that's when I started writing my own stuff back in 08. So I've been making movies and writing stuff in 08 fell face first <laughs> because I decided to convert a short film into a feature and learn the fast way and the hard way and learn how to use a camera, shot the whole thing. It got a lot of attention. It did great. Got attention from UFC. We got uh, sponsored in terms of some of the wardrobe from them. We had police cars, helicopters before drones. People like, who are you? What is this stuff? And how do you have access to this stuff? And most importantly, did you even go to film school? I was like, nope. <laughs> then how are you doing this stuff? And how did you get it up on IMDb? And how did you do this? And how are people working? Even my mom, she's like, how are you getting this stuff? It's <laughs> just like, who are you? Are you, <laughs> what are you? <laughs> right? And it's all about how you were with people and having a vision and following through. In not making promises you can't keep being fully transparent. And I became my own agent for a good 12 years after that. 
and booked gigs left, right, and center. Major commercials, major print ads, major roles. And people were always asking me, who's your agent? We'd love to sign with them. And I was like, me, this guy. I was up checking Kijiji at the time, Craigslist at the time, even when online stuff was relatively shady and not exactly trustworthy. Um, everything had to be front, open, faced envelopes that were sent with a headshot to ensure it wasn't uh, uh, junk mail or spam. And I was, I, I saw the trends. It was going like email, electronic mail. No way, no way. That's rude. It's got to be official printed documents and a headshot. That's the way it is. Fast forward a few years later, they're like, no, that's horrible for the trees. It's all about Hotmail and Yahoo. You're going to send it or AOL if you've got that. I was like, cool, right? So I've seen the trends. I've seen a change and that's, it really taught me how to be responsible as a performer, but as somebody from the back end of things. And it taught me that there was no excuse. It taught me that if you really wanted it, you had to take a chance on yourself before anyone else. You were the biggest investment and you had to be the biggest investor in that product and show the people why, why they should take a chance. Because it's always chicken and the egg in this industry. You need the experience to work, but you need the work in, in, in terms of having, you know, somebody trust you and hire you. So how do you do that? How do you get that? Right? How do you get hired if you've never, no one's ever given you that chance? But in order to get that chance, you need to have a list of work and credits. So how does that work? Right? And that's when I said, cool, I'll write. I've been doing that since I was a kid, apparently. So I wrote, it got better over time, shot, it got better over time. Right now we've got amazing devices like our smartphones that shoot better than hundreds and thousands of the cameras that were back in the 80s and 90s. You can edit, you can shoot, you can upload every single thing from that one device. So zero excuses at this point. If you're an actor, try to break into the industry that I don't have the means to showcase my talent. I don't have a script. I've never written. I've never directed. I don't know which lens, which camera. Just zoop, get to work. That's it. And reading the books, watching the videos, all the inspiration stuff around you is great, but it means zilch. It means nothing if you don't take the action. That's why I always say life without action, it would be all talk, right? So that's, that's, that's my little story and that I'm super grateful because I've been able to carve my path with my old two hands, but at the same time, not alone. I'm not self-made. I've had tremendous help from friends and family and complete strangers that took chances on me, believed in my vision, believed in this crazy dude over here. And they're like, okay, go for it. Go for it. Show us what you can do. Right. And I always fulfilled my promises. And that's just the way it is. And I was always transparent, communicated everything. So communication is key, major, major thing. And be transparent. I can't emphasize that enough. You got to put in the work. And that's it. That's my little story. Janet McMorty here. Today's episode is sponsored by Shaw Financial Services. There are three finite resources in this world, time, energy, and money. All three are essential for success in your acting career. So you need a plan for your hard-earned money, and more importantly, you need someone to help you plan who understands and supports your creative dreams, who understands what being an artist is all about and will not judge you. How do I know who this is? Because Mitchell Shaw is my financial guy. Give him a call today, 705-325-2511. Tell him Janet sent you. Ontario residents only. Get your finances in order. Ask for Mitch, 705-325-2511. The mindset and the gumption is the word that comes to my mind first. And the like the motivation, yeah, but also the ability to go from what like you were saying could have been a complete destruction of confidence, 
abilities in yourself, both as action and dramatic actor and human being. Teach me a little bit about your mindset to not only recover from the Power Rangers debacle ridiculousness, my God, um, but also to be able to carve your own path and to keep pushing for something like that. Because that sounds, one, exhausting, two, exciting, but three, like, where does that motivation and, and mindset come from? I, I'd say it's a combination of two things, the war times, because a war can break mm-hmm. you or make you. I mean, hard times in general, they can make you or break you, right? But at the same time, I would also add the sports element to it, the athletic side of it, because you could be down in score. You could have a bad day. Your team could have a bad day. They could be all underperforming, but you don't just take your jersey off and walk off the field. You still try and come back. You still try and fight. You still try and fight or fight with honor, right? All the way through up until you hear that whistle, right? Same thing in martial arts. It's exactly the same thing. Never turn your back on your opponent for many reasons. But one of them is it's, it's all about honor. You want to face that and you want to, yeah, as long as you can breathe, that fight can still happen. You can still keep fighting. And that's the mindset that I broke, uh, I, I brought to myself because when I I heard that big no, literally it was like, <laughs> right, and and then it went out like stab me somewhere else. I don't want to be extremely brutal here, but it, it it really was for a second. But I was like, you know what? Cool, let's problem solve, and that's ultimately a huge thing for you as a filmmaker or as a performer. It's all about problem solving because there's a very high chance it's never going to be a smooth ride, even when you're on set. You might go behind schedule. You Something might happen. We're shooting an outdoor scene. All of a sudden, you've got a hurricane, or it's pouring, or it's snowing, say, in a, in a, in a city like Toronto, right? You could get four seasons a day, and it's kind of a gamble. So that's the thing, is you got to be flexible, and you got to be able to think quick and problem solve. You could stand there and say, oh my God, well, I didn't get it. Oh my God, it's because I suck, and then People will say, see, if you were special enough, you would have got it. Well, that's because you're not experienced enough. And this because this and this because you hear all the naysayers on the outside. You got to shut them all off. And then you got to listen to that voice inside you and say, watch me. It has been done before. Cool. I'll be the first. Right. Or you could be a very sad case and just say, they didn't take me. Oh, my God. Okay. That's because I suck. I So. That's why the industry, there's a lot of people that wish and admire from afar, but would never step in the waters, right? That's ultimately what it is. So I think it's a combination of the hard times, which makes the best sailors, right? They always say rough waters makes the best sailors. And then on the other side, it's that focus of an athlete. You could be down. It doesn't mean the game's done. Tennis, same thing. You could be down two sets and you could still win the last three, right? Points, goals, whatever it is you're doing. It's never done until you decide it's done. So the only time we stop or fail is when we stop trying, right? That's it. So that was my mindset. My agent said the same thing. Oh, you're going to get auditions every three to six months. I could have said, cool, and waited for the phone to ring. But I'm a huge advocate of saying, do not wait for the phone to ring. Write your stuff in the meantime. Practice your scenes in the meantime. Post your work on social media now because that's a free outlet you've got. And someone's always going to be watching, right? And that's ultimately what it is. How bad do you want it? Go out there. Don't tell me I want it bad. I wish, I wish. Because there's so much wishing happening, but not enough action. That's it. Has there been anything surprising about the industry? (laughs) (laughs) There's a face. Okay. (laughs) Which, which, which part of it? I mean, how, how, how deep can we get here? How deep can we get here? I've got funny stories. I've got I've got scary stories. I've got me too stories. Which choose your destiny. <laughs> oh man, I think what's like if you did you have any kind of preconceived notions that you've now been like, wow, I was wrong about that when you were building your career, or any things that you were assuming were going to be the case that weren't. Honestly, no. I came in with an open mind because I didn't want to have expectations that were shot down. But in a way, I think the one thing I constantly got to remind myself is 
yes, I booked a lead role, international movie co-production, red carpet premiere, my life is set. And then you come back and you're like, uh, now what? Where's the next project? Boom. Video game with Sly Stallone. Awesome. My life is set. <laughs> now what? When it's done, right? Jackie Chan, John Cito, supporting role. Yes, my life is set. Politics got involved between China and the, and, and the U.S. And, and then pandemic kicked in. Now what? Right? So it's constantly the now what? It's constantly, you got to remember where you were day one, how hungry you were. And you got to keep that same motto. You got to keep that same motivation. You got to keep that same mindset where it's never, it's never set. It really never is set. And again, working with people like Sly, Jackie Chan, these people are way beyond established, <laughs> right? And it's insane because our parents watch them and now we watch them. And then the, the younger generation, Gen Z, they're like, oh yeah, I know Stallone because he was shark. And I was like, what? <laughs> you mean Rocky Rambo? Oh yeah. Is that the same guy? Yes. Same guy. So it's a massive thing, right? Oh, Jackie Chan because of Kung Fu Panda. What? I get it. Huge gap. But regardless, they still acknowledge those people. But being around them and seeing their their work ethic, literally, true story, on set, talking with Jackie, Jackie Chan, he sticks his hand out to point at something, literally 50 people, and they call him Big Brother, right? So they're like, Big Brother, what do you need? You need this, you need this, you need this, any option. He could ask for a helicopter and he they would ask what color, Right. And he's like, no, 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 I'm going to do it myself. And he got up. We were shooting a scene in a desert. So we had coolers, like the ones he would take camping or to the beach. Packed with ice, obviously, to keep the drinks cold for us. And he's the kind of guy that's not going to waste any resources. He's just never forgotten where he came from. When the ice became water, he took that cooler, emptied it in a water dispenser for us to recycle or reuse that water to wash our hands while we're at the desert. And he did that. He's got tons of people that would do that kind of stuff, right? We're, we're outside and we've got, we've got, um, flies all over the place. We've got tents for, for catering. And literally he, he, you know, he heard people complain about flies and all that. And he could get a SWAT team to come in and just <laughs> annihilate them. Right. Literally, he got some of those sticky pads and we're, I'm walking back to my trailer and literally that's what I see. He's redirecting the flies onto the pads so they get stuck and don't bother us while we eat, right? And then funny story, as I'm walking, he's like, like this kid, he's like, right? He's like, come look at it. And I see this white strap and then a bunch of black dots on it. I was like, what the heck is that? And I show up, he's like so proud that he killed all these flies. Like he's, he's, he's got rid of her problem. See? And he it's going to rain. He's jumping up on a, on, 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 on one of the chairs. He's like, you grab the other side, grab the other side, very hands-on, still putting in the work, still training. He looks way healthier than some of the 18 year olds I know. You could hear his his voice. You could hear him anywhere on the set without any kind of boom or mic or anything at all, right? So it's insane. Sly, exact same thing. You see him putting in the work. You see him training. Like there's a major competition coming. And he's 74, right? And I, as a kid, okay, as a kid, I don't know if you've, you've heard that. As a kid, you hear people, they're like, oh man, you just don't understand. When you get older, you're going to feel that way. You you just don't understand now because when you are my age, this is going to happen, right? And these guys, these guys were 20s. They were mid-20s. And then 30s, oh, you won't understand. When it's 30s, it's all downhill from here. Oh man, you don't get it. But I'm talking a 65 and a 70, almost 75. Still pushing, still going, still being pioneers in 
their own rights and everything they do. So being around people like that and then looking at a 20 year old as like, oh, my back hurts. You know, it's I'm, I'm getting old. I'm like, shut the hell up because I was just with Jackie and you see him in the morning. You see how stiff his body is, the injuries he's acquired over the years. But when he's warm, when he shakes it all off, he's got that breakfast teeth. He's on fire, right? So I'm like, these are the people you want to surround yourself with, which is something huge. Surround yourself with people that are positive. It's not, oh, I wish, yeah, it'd be so nice, but that's impossible. Yeah, but you know, like my back hurts and it just sucks because we're all getting old. So it's all negative, 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 negative. And sure enough, you hear it enough, it becomes true. And if you're into any of the attraction laws or manifestation, that's the vibe that's going to surround you. And your aura becomes that. Everything's it can't be done. It's impossible. I'm too old right now. Uh, but I'm this, but I'm this, but I'm that. I was like, what are you talking about? Right? So you got to replace that circle because you got to be around people that are like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Right? I was around a, a few of my female actor friends and they, it sounded exactly like that. They're like, oh my God, you know, like now I'm just going to be cast for the mom role and I'm too old to play this. I'm going to, I, I'm, I'm too old now for this. And every sentence started with, I'm too old for this. And I was like, shut up. Right. Good news is, I don't know if you're up with the times, but there's a lot of dads and there's a lot of moms that are fit as hell, way fitter than any of the youngest that are sleeping late and TikToking all day. Right. So I get it. When we were when we were young, you looked up at people and you're like, oh my God, yeah, that's someone's mom and that's someone's uncle. And that's it was but now those standards have changed entirely. You're like, damn, you're a mom with three babies? What? And like you delivered them? <laughs> damn. What? So the times have changed. People are much more health conscious, they're eating right, training right, all this kind of stuff. So put in the work again, right? It's very easy to talk, super easy to talk. Do you have any advice? I mean, you've given already a ton of advice for people. Do you have any advice more specifically for people who are entering this business at the stage of life that like, you know, I'm not going to make assumptions about your age. I'm pushing 40 and I get mom roles left, right and center. Right. Do you have any advice for people? It's funny. It's funny. It's awesome because we do not look our age. I, no, I don't know. I like, you, great. I wear sunscreen and I don't smoke and I drink a lot of water. Yes. Yes. Water. <laughs> water is the key. Honestly, water is huge. Sleep is huge too. I suck at sleep, but that that's that's where uh, <laughs> that's where it's kind of like the oven for cookies to to yeah yeah yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's hmm. Advice, 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 advice for anyone coming in around our age. Yeah, I wanted to jump on the, the acting train. You are probably in a very good place, in a very good position, actually, because there's a few limbo points, and not a lot of people talk about that. The limbo points typically happen between kid and teen, and then from teen to adult, right? So there's a stage in your life where you're a kid, and that's it. You're a kid. You cannot be seen as anything else. And then there's that stage where you enter the teens, late teens, like 17, but you're not really 23, 24, 25 look yet, right? So you look too kiddish for this, but too old for that. And that's kind of your first limbo. And then the second one is kind of where you're a young adult. You're kind of 25, and you can't really pass for a mid-30s kind of person, right? There are exceptions. But those are two major limbo points for a lot of people. But if you enter anyway, let's say anywhere near late 30s, 40s, even better, that's when you're coming in and people will know exactly. That's the mom. That's the doctor. That's the cop. That's the lawyer. That's the teacher. That's the annoying neighbor next door, whatever it is. It's, it's very set. So there's a lot more opportunities at times for you when you come in with a look that's already established. And I don't mean established career. It's just your look has been developed, right? So when you've got, if if for an exaggeration's sake here, if you are a baby coming in, you don't have all your hair grown, all your features kicked in, your height, all this stuff. It's kind of like really hard to figure out what you're going to look like. 
right? How tall you're going to be, how broad you're going to be, eye colors, they change all the time and hair, right? But when you're fully there, all those characteristics have stuck and and, and kind of grown in. It's really easy for us to say, cool, blue eyes, brown hair, cool. That's that's our, our go-to, right? So think of it that way. And then just come in and put in the work. And odds are, you're also, I don't want to generalize, you're also going to be relatively stable, maybe career-wise on the side. So this is another thing that a lot of the people earlier on and when they're younger, they panic. They got to get side jobs to kind of fund their passion or their wannabe acting career. But by that time, hopefully, you've established a career that's given you enough savings or enough money or enough for you to be able to pay for your headshots comfortably and afford some classes to polish up your your your, your chops and your skills. And then that's that's another plus side. So like I said, think of the plus. Think what's good here. You've already established this, so you're never going to face somebody else that will look at you and say, oh, well, that's a good hobby. Maybe you should get a real job. Because I think by then you would have had a real job. And then this is perhaps your, I've done my dues, paid my dues. Now time for me to pursue my passion. And maybe that's going to be big, right? So that's. Yeah, I two sense. I think that's, sorry to interrupt you. I, I think that's that's really key. I think for, yeah. <laughs> um, how dare I? Uh, for for the mindset for these people shifting into a, a into acting that like, like they've always wanted to do it, there's a, a guilt associated with that shift. I think um, I shouldn't make assumptions, but I know for myself there was as well too. And a big a big help for that feeling was exactly what you just said. I've paid my dues. I put in the work, literal work, and I saved up. And now is the time in my life. To I get to do this now. Yep. Yep. There's honestly two things that I think us as humans owe to ourselves. And the first thing is, even if you were squished at the beginning for whatever circumstance, whatever culture uh, reinforcements or whatever it is that that happened to you at the beginning, that was like, nope, you can't become this. You got to try to become an engineer, try and become a lawyer, try and become a... Cool. Do your thing if you must. But then at the end, go back and revisit your kids. What did you truly want to do when when people thought it was fun? But then as you start to grow up, they're like, that's ridiculous. You're not going to be this. You're not that special. That's a nice thing to do on the side. Okay. So if you want to be a musician, get back into your music. Get back. Start a band. Right. You want to get into acting? Get into acting. Plus, you're an adult. So you are able to make your own choices that as a kid, you couldn't. And travel. That's the second thing. Travel the world. Forget all the stuff you see in the media. Forget all the news, all the stuff that happens out there to scare us about certain places. Go out there and explore. You're going to find there's good and bad in every single country. But go out there and find out for yourself. Treasures of the world. People, amazing. Food, great. Try it. Try and try and try. Travel. Okay. So really, I would say those are two things. Always go back and revisit your kid, but now you're able to do certain things. And then the second thing would be see if you can get some travel in. That's some great advice. Because I think both of those things, tying it back to what we talked about at the beginning, are the empathy builders, right? I think, and if you want to be an actor, the only way... I think that you can really deep dive into characters is having empathy to be in their shoes. And you can't learn that just in your house by yourself. You need to be out there and experiencing other people and other stories. Yeah, for sure. The more experience, the more experience you have, the more shelves and the more kind of time travel you could do for your characters. Absolutely. So, right. Absolutely. You're like, hmm, okay, this, mm, that file and this file and like ingredients, you just put them together, make it yours, right? Is there anything that you are looking forward to coming up? Ooh, there's a few actually. Uh, there is a, a few films, and there's a TV show that I'm really, really excited about. There's also that premiere of our Jackie Chan John Cena movie that may or may not mm. be coming out this year. Who knows? We wrapped it in uh, January 2019. 
So there's talk. It might be coming out soon. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, there's a few projects that I'm working on that I'm super excited um, for them to start rolling, pun intended, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, just just make some of that magic happen. And I think I think one or two of them you might be involved in them too. So I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> maybe. So finally, we'd actually be able to share the screen together. The dream, the, the dream. You <laughs> I know. Can I ask about Movie Expo? How'd that come to light? Okay. In a nutshell, all the struggles that I've seen as an actor or as a filmmaker, I was like, there's probably a bunch of people that are typically stuck in that uh, area where it's kind of like, okay, even if they go to film school, cool. Certificate. Yay. Now what? Right? Acting. Got my classes. Now what? Uh you know, they, they want to get into crew jobs. They, they want to start doing makeup, wardrobe, stunts, scouting, all that kind of stuff. How and where do I go? And you constantly hear starving artists. And I was like, okay, cool. I've been there, heard everything, lived it. And I want to give back. Giving back is huge for me. So my partner and I, we, we put our brains together and said, okay, why don't we give back to the talent, which we know there's no shortage of in the city, get back to the city. So we put it in its best light, show the tax incentives, the different locations that are here, but also shine a light on a lot of the stars that are behind the scenes that are typically not getting the attention they deserve. Right. And that's when we, the movie expo was born and we said, cool. So it's going to be a major networking and educational platform that truly gives you a chance to connect with people that are up and coming or currently working completely interactive. So say, for example, you want to get into stunts. One of my buddies that uh, did the action for John Wick. Cool. Sit and ask him live. And he was responding to you. You wanted to get into writing? Cool. Here's a person that worked on Black Panther. Why don't you ask him some stuff? And, and from there, it kept going and going and going. And people loved it. And they started seeing what it's all about. So really... It was a way to give back and, and it bridged that gap between I know I want to do this for the rest of my life or I put in my dues for school or my hours here and this is where I want to go, but how do I get there? And that's how the Movie Expo was born. But of, of course, there's a small showcase uh, uh, opportunity in it as well. So when it was in person, we had booths. So you would go around and say, for example, you wanted to know how the predator mask was done. So you'd go to the special effects makeup uh, booth and they would show you the materials they use and all that kind of fun stuff. And if you wanted to get into just regular wardrobe, you would see how they would come up with certain things for uh, uh, some of the major shows. Or if you want to get into stunts, this is how they would rig you. And there's a green screen behind you. This is how they would add the fire or the explosion behind you. Or if you wanted to get into car chases, we had... The, the uh, They call it Ukraine now from Filmotechnic, which was there. It's an SUV with a big crane on top and the camera at the end of it. And you could get inside and move the camera and, and the winch or the arm and, and see how it's all done. And it's so funny, aside from the seminars, it's so funny because a lot of the producers that pay for this kind of stuff, when they came in, they're like, oh, so that's what I was paying for? Because they paid for Fast and Furious, for example, but they've never got to see some of the cars and they never got to see the car chase. So it was such a great experience for everyone, whether they were performers, whether they were going to be behind the scenes or behind the cameras or just people that already worked on these projects. And they're like, what? And it was so cool. We had, so one of the seminars we had was for people that want to get into music and, and, and composing. And we had Hans Zimmer's co-composer. He's worked on Titanic, Avatar, so that so it was great. People that really wanted to get into this stuff, they went and, and learned some some amazing things. I went there as well. It was super awesome. And there was another uh, guest that was there. And after the seminar was done, he's like, oh, is this, are you? And he's like, are you? And they worked together, but it was all virtual. So they've never met each other. This was the first time they've met each other in person since the first Avatar. So it's in freaking sane that it's, it's, it's 
So we're so happy just to see people connect because ultimately that's what it's all about. The industry's 90%, okay, maybe 80% who you know and 20% what you know, right? So it's always your next opportunity a lot of times is just who you know that's going to push you in or break you into that circle, right? And that's ultimately the vision behind it, right? And it's an annual event, so it's great. During the pandemic, obviously, we moved it virtual. But uh, we also wanted to kind of support the local businesses. So we had people that gave us coupons for for their mom and pop shops or cafes or or if it was a business for anything else, really, it could have been a product or a service. And we had coupons that were exclusive for anyone that was attending. So you would just go on this online food court or, or, or uh, exhibition hall and you would just collect all these goodies and, and you were good, right? You, you had all these exclusive bonuses and discounts. So that's what it's all about, really. It's to connect people, give them a chance um, to connect and take that next step, whether you were new, whether you were currently working, and uh, just say thank you. Say thank you to everyone else and be that beacon or that light that I wish and everyone wished had for them when we first started off. I'll definitely put links um, in the show notes uh, below for how people can check out when Movie Expo is happening again. But I really enjoyed it. I The connections I made, you know, meeting you, meeting uh, the mentors that I got from there. And um, yeah, I think like you were saying, it's such a generous thing for you to have built. But what an incredible resource for people, especially just starting out and to learn so much about the industry where especially myself didn't go to film school. So I don't know anything about, you know, makeup or special effects or to learn about the other aspects of it to realize that it's not just about the end. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean, just just try and imagine this. You're watching Superman or say Iron Man. And there's no VFX team, there's no costume or wardrobe team, and there's just an actor. It's not going to be the same movie, just saying, okay? Just saying. So that's why we really needed to say thank you and really put these people on a spotlight, a lot of the the talent that's behind the scenes, right? So, yes. So for yes. Do you, ha- do you have any final words of wisdom? Thanks. For okay, let's we're just gonna make it simple. I'll say, you know what? It's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. So when you start when you start making it and getting some of the credits and getting some of the FaceTime or the airtime and all that kind of stuff. Don't forget that once upon a time, you were down here and you're currently maybe on, on the third, fourth, fifth step. And if somebody comes out to reach out to you for help or somebody asks you a question or somebody tries to get an autograph or anything like that, don't forget that it's because somebody was able to pull you or push you to the next level. And don't forget that the stars, even when you're a star, what keeps you as star is your fans. So if you're not nice, those fans could go away and that star will dim super, super fast. So just remember that everyone wants to work with someone that's nice. You could be the most talented person and you show up on set. And for the next 60, 16, 18 hours, it could be torturous. <laughs> no one wants to rehire you again. So ego, make it zero. Be nice. I will take you places, I promise. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And thank you, Taz, for being my guest this week. Thank you so much for your energy, your talent, your generosity. I am thrilled to be working with you on this uh, super secret, not so secret project coming up. And I just, I just love you. I just think you're the best. You have so many great things coming your way and you've done so many great things. I'm so, so, so thrilled that you are in my life. You're the best, buddy. I hope you will all tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye.
Second Act Actors is produced and edited by me, Janet McMorty. Theme music by Guillaume. Additional sound editing by David Studio. Additional video editing by Jackie Wadewer. Show notes written by Sarah Hopkinson. I record using Riverside FM. If you're interested in developing an interview-based webcast like mine, I highly recommend this platform. Shoot me an email and I'll direct you to the wonderful folks there. If you or someone you know is interested in being a guest, email me at secondactactors at gmail.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. My love language is words of affirmation, so compliments, constructive criticism, and feedback are always welcome and encouraged. Negative Nancys, Judgy McJudgersons, or Debbie Downers, unless you're Rachel Dratch, regarding me or my guests are not welcome. It takes serious courage to share your story with the world, so if you're tempted to negatively comment about someone else's story, please ask your therapist why you're such a garbage person. Save the drama for the stage. On that happy note, I hope you'll tune in next week for another episode of Second Act Actors. Bye! Bye!